All right, cool. We are live. Good to see you today, my EOS podcast friends. We have a fun um, episode today. We have Daniel from Chestnut, a recent second place winner of the EOS Global Hackathon. So we're going to get to hear about his project. He's a co-founder. Um, and we will also get to hear all about EOS. So Daniel, welcome to the show and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Daniel Liebeskind. Um, I have been involved in uh, the blockchain space since 2013 when I bought uh, Bitcoin at $60. Um, I simultaneously bought uh, order of magnitude more gold, uh, which has halved in value, uh, which has been a, a funny, uh, funny thing that's happened. Um, but yeah, I've been building uh, mobile and web apps uh, for the last uh, five or six years. And uh, about a year and a half ago, transitioned into uh, doing blockchain development. Uh, specifically, uh, was doing Ethereum and Solidity work for for a while. Um, and uh, about, I guess, in June, uh, went to the London uh, EOS hackathon, and that was really the first time I was exposed to uh, EOS uh, code and and uh, you know actually building projects on EOS. I'd heard obviously of, of the cryptocurrency prior to that, but I uh, got super fired up because we were able to actually build something that functioned and that had a decent user experience. Um, and uh, have really been just laser focused on EOS and and building on EOS uh, ever since. So yeah. cool. Well, I mean, some some wonderful little nuggets in there. Um, one was the one I would like to dig into a little bit is um, the ETH to EOS transition. What were you trying to build on ETH previously, or were you is that that you learned Solidity? Did you try to build something there? And um, what were like the main differences from a dev's point of view there? Yeah, so I was building something called Kismet Chain, which was a uh, a way for uh, groups to raise uh, funds and have the community of people that give them funds actually collaborate on how they are used. Uh, so basically have, uh, have the person that raised the funds uh, petition for a particular use and have the, the crowd uh, say yay or nay to that uh, particular use case. And then the smart contract just automatically sends uh, to the, the address that they had put in um, you know, as part of that request. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was interesting. We got a lot of uh, interest from fr different fundraising groups around this. Uh, you know, it also could potentially have opened up uh, fundraising to individuals, um, you know, particularly not in the U.S. that uh, otherwise have uh, trouble getting access to, uh, to capital to do different projects. Um, so kind of like a GoFundMe on, on the blockchain. Um, you know, it was, it was an interesting idea. The challenge with doing it on Ethereum was, uh, just that when you tried to do something and interact with the blockchain, it took 20 seconds for the transaction to actually process. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't quite realize going into it that that was going to be the case. But um, the user experience of waiting 20 seconds for something to happen just was not uh, modern. You know, it felt like, and, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, and this is something that's said a lot, pretty often, but, you know, it felt like sort of the early 90s or mid 90s in the internet. Um, like we were doing dial-up stuff and uh, you know when you compare that to more traditional platforms like a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter um, it just felt like it wasn't going to be competitive um, and so you know it was and I was I was building that really right up until uh, the uh, the EOS hackathon that I went to and so uh, then getting exposure to the the EOS uh, technology which, you know, by the way, is really easy to actually build on. And, and the Block One team and, and the community in general have done a great job of building 
uh, tools and templates to, to get people started really quickly. Um, but, you know, experiencing that and, and the, uh, the thing that we built there, which was a, a data marketplace, you know, everything was just super fast and, and super fluid. And actually, it was, you know, it was mind blowing. It was like, oh, my God, we're actually, uh, you know, in the modern age uh, of blockchain with this thing. So um, to sort of compare and contrast them was uh, was a stark difference. Cool. Uh, you know what? I just met some devs the other day who uh, were coming from ETH to EOS or were building on ETH and were interested in EOS. Where's the best place to point someone to, is there like a, is there like a um, crypto zombies or whatever the ETH uh, development tool was? Is there somewhere easy to point people right now for? To actually learn? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think one of the best things you can do, um, so you can, you can go through sort of like tutorials and, and that sort of stuff, but um, block one has actually put out a GitHub repo that is basically a fully functioning DAP. Um, and you can, if you just read through that GitHub repo and, and deploy, you know, basically they've, they've set it up so you can, uh, you can clone this thing and, uh, be up and started with a fully functioning DAP, um, you know, and smart contracts, you know, just like that. Um, I think my recommendation would be to, to do that. Right. And, and then start tweaking things and, and modifying things. It is built with uh, React on the front end. Um, so, you know, people should have familiarity with, with React if they're going to go that route. Um, but that's, that's kind of what I did. And uh, I, I will say that, you know, in the, in the Hong Kong hackathon, which is uh, the first one that I went to back in June, um, the, this repo was very primitive. Um, it still worked, but it didn't have a lot of functionality and it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't really production ready. Uh, at the London Hackathon, and, and so, you know, by the way, at the Hong Kong Hackathon, very few teams actually built fully functioning dApps with integrated smart contracts um, because it just wasn't quite there. Uh, at the London Hackathon, you know, it was a minimum requirement to have a fully functioning dApp with smart contracts integrated. Uh, and part of the reason they were able to do that is because this, uh, this repo, you know, gave that to you day one um, or, you know, I guess hour one uh, of the hackathon. Um, so yeah, that's, it's a really great place to get started. Okay. Killer. That's a, that's a good tool. I, I wrote that down. If you see me looking off to the side, it's, uh, it's cause I'm writing something to take a note, not cause I'm not great. paying attention. So <laughs> anyway, I, I put that down so that, um, so I can, yeah, so I can get, get that info to these devs. So that'll be cool. Um, yeah. The other thing you mentioned in, in the beginning that, that caught me was, uh, how you purchased your first Bitcoin and gold kind of at the same time. I was having like this, uh, you know, a few years back, like this existential crisis. Like I, I was an ec uh, economics major in, uh, in school and I was like, okay, I have to like, I just have to at least get something for this, uh, you know, to hedge myself against this monetary system, you know? And, and so I bought gold, uh, silver and, and uh, Bitcoin all at the same time, the same way you did. Um, and then watched Bitcoin slowly like surpass the price of gold. And <laughs> it's, what a, yeah, what a funny time to, yeah. um, but it's, it's that same mindset though, you know? Absolutely. Well, so, and, and I had bought when, you know, I bought at 60 something dollars when it had gone up from $10 to 60 in, in like a week. And so my thought was, you know, this is sort of an experimental thing. Gold is proven, right? This mm -hmm. has been a thing that, you know, throughout history people have relied on as a, um, a store of value. Um, I really liked the idea of blockchain and of Bitcoin, um, but it had just, you know, it had just six X in a week. Uh, and, you know, at the time, nobody, I didn't know anybody else that was even talking about Bitcoin. So I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll put some in here just as a toehold. And then when it goes back down, I'll just sort of buy as it goes back down to where it was. Uh, and it essentially just never did, you know, it just <laughs> kept going up and up. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I've, uh, yeah. 
it's, it's just one of those things. <laughs> well, that was wise of you that there's that uh, investing strategy, kind of the barbell approach where you take something, you take the two ends really conservative on one end of the spectrum and then really high risk, high reward on the other end of the spectrum, as opposed to playing around in the middle. So um, I wish I was wise enough to, to, to realize that back in the day, but <laughs> I was just, I was just kind of going for it back then. So um, yeah, cool. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the hackathon which hackathon was your team at it was the london hackathon and then the and then the finale and did you win the london hackathon or how'd that work yeah sure so um so uh two of us from what ultimately became the chestnut team actually went to the hong kong hackathon okay. uh which was you know uh, probably four months before uh something like that and uh we didn't win there but we built something pretty slick it just wasn't really to the theme of that event, which was to build something uh, that had uh, scalability of users. We built a data marketplace that was basically an enterprise uh, project. And so we realized that, you know, that really wasn't uh, what the, <laughs> what the heck that was supposed to be about at that particular one. Um, in London, uh, you know, the, the two of us came uh, to London. We knew a bunch of other people that, uh, that were thinking about going to the London hackathon or already had committed to going. Um, we knew them from Bali from, from our travels, which we can talk about later. But, um, you know, we came together, we found out the theme was around privacy and security and making, uh, the, making users uh, have more uh, security as they're interacting with blockchains. Um, and, you know, we had been sort of kicking around the idea of doing some sort of automated if this, then that kind of system. Um, and you know, it actually was, uh, as we discussed it and as we thought about it, it was a perfect fit for the theme. Uh, if we sort of modify, you know, we hadn't really thought about it as a security uh, uh, technology. We had thought about it more as um, just an automated way. For example, if you get uh, crypto sent into one account, automatically having that distribute to a bunch of other accounts, uh, which is something that, that, you know, I do right now with, with traditional banking. Um, and so giving some of that kind of power of traditional banking uh, to blockchain. We realized that you could actually uh, do this for security. Uh, and, you know, it was a funny thing. We, we thought of this idea, we got really excited about it. And then we started talking to some of the mentors uh, about whether it was technically possible. Uh, and we were getting feedback that it wasn't really. Um, and that was a little disheartening. We were, you know, thinking maybe we should pivot. Um, the mentors were all sort of talking to each other about it because it, it was an interesting technical challenge, technical idea. Um, and we slowly started getting feedback about, you know, an hour into thinking about how, you know, should we pivot into some other idea? Um, we, we, um, we were getting feedback from, from several people that they actually thought that this was possible. And here's kind of, you know, we heard a couple different ways you could do this. Um, and, uh, ultimately we, we realized and, you know, sort of the mentors realized that this was possible and nobody had really thought about doing it this way, or, you know, it, it certainly was, was a, uh, a talking worthy, uh, project. So, um, you know, we went ahead and, and built that. Um, we wound up winning um, best UX, best UI, and second place. Um, so we didn't come in first; we came in second. Um, but that also got us a spot, uh, a ride to the grand finale, which at the time we did we had no idea where that was going to be. And, and Block One was, um, you know, holding the cards close to their chest on it. Um, it turned out that it was in South Africa in Cape Town. Uh, so we actually just went there. Um, we we just uh, participated in that a couple weeks ago. And it was more of an incubation week. So not really a hackathon. It was 
trying to bring your hackathon project to more of a business model and uh, figure out, you know, how do we distribute this? What's our revenue model? Um, how do, whether we want to and how to raise funds, uh, that sort of thing. I, I think the way block one is thinking about it is a little bit of like a, a condensed Y Combinator uh, kind of thing or um, startup week or something like that. Um, and, you know, it was, a, it was a fantastic experience. Wow. That, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. So how far along did you guys end up getting as far as you go through the incubator week? Did you, did you find a way that you can possibly monetize scale? And does it look like it's something you're going to pursue or, or where are you at as far as that goes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, we've actually been working on this uh, in the meantime, which was something that, you know, we were encouraged to do or, you know, certainly allowed to do. Um, and we, uh, we actually brought on one of the best, uh, smart contract devs in the industry, Jack DeSalvatore. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've been building this, uh, going into the incubation week, you know, it's very focused on business, right? And so one of the, one of the, um, one of the learnings out of that was, uh, that, or one of the things we, one of our epiphanies during the incubation week, uh, was that there were actually a bunch of different models that we could be pursuing. Uh, we had originally sort of thought of this as, uh, one product, but we realized that there was a, you know, in general, there's a spectrum um, of what consumers in blockchain are going to want. Um, and so not everybody's going to want, you know, for example, if you have a fully decentralized solution, um, that's a little bit more expensive and, and maybe not, uh, not as uh, much handholding, not everybody's going to want that. Some people are okay with centralization if it gives them account recovery, for example. And so there are different models for how you could bring this to market. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the sort of multi-pronged approach and giving people choice uh, is something that we're going to be pursuing. And yeah, you know, our, our plan is to continue with the project. Um, and we're actually in the process right now of uh, forming a legal entity. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're putting together a roadmap um, and, and going, you know, we're building our team. So if anybody's interested in working with us on this, uh, let us know. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going full steam ahead. Killer. Well, um, congratulations on that. Uh, and I probably should have done this a little bit earlier in, in the podcast, but uh, can you give like a, a user story? Tell a story about some, how, how you see someone actually using this, someone who doesn't have any technical expertise, but what are they going to do to use Chestnut? How's it going to help them? Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so, you know, I can use myself as, as an example. Um, I'm part of a uh, collective of devs, designers, and blockchain experts called Block Collab. Um, and we actually pay each other, we, we collaborate, we pay each other through cryptocurrency. And there's always a fear whenever you uh, send cryptocurrency to somebody that uh, instead of sending, you know, 100 EOS or 1,000 EOS, you send 100,000 EOS, right? You add, add an extra zero to. If you do that right now, there's really no recourse. You know, you can, you can theoretically get the BPs to reverse it, but um, that's going to be a really challenging process. And um, you know, it's sort of reactive rather than proactively preventing the transaction in the first place. So, uh, you know, given this fear that that many of us on our team have had, um, what Chestnut does is uh, allows you to set security parameters for yourself, security and sort of thresholds on your account. Um, so I might say, for example, I never want to send more than uh, 100 EOS at a time. And if I do, I want to like, you know, have some other approval mechanism that's required in order for that to go through. Um, and so, you know, if I then try to send 10,000 EOS, it'll deny the transaction. Um, and you can do this for, for transaction amount. You can do it uh, to prevent, uh, you know, yourself or somebody else from sending too, too many transactions. You can have a blacklist. You can have a whitelist of accounts. 
uh, or dApps for interacting with. Um, and so that, that's sort of the kernel of, uh, of the idea. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's like a, uh, and then you have some sort of the UX has some sort of easily customizable way to pick basically options of what you want to do with your account or yeah. what you want to enable your account to do. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, our, our whole sort of ethos is around user experience and our theory is that our thesis, and I think a lot of people in the industry say this, uh, is that blockchain is going to have a lot of trouble scaling to the masses to the normal, you know, everyday users, if it doesn't have uh, ease of use, if it's not easy, if it's not simple, if it's not intuitive, and if they don't feel safe interacting with dApps and uh, with their own account. Um, so yeah, we're, we're very focused on user experience. Um, we're also very focused on, um, you know, part of, part of this is bringing the, uh, the experience that people are used to with sort of traditional banking, traditional checking accounts. Um, your, your ATM, for example, most banks, uh, you know, they limit you to taking out $200 at a time, right? And there's a reason for that. It's that if you, uh, you know, somebody gets a hold of your credit card, of your card, or you accidentally take out too much, there's, you know, there's, there's really no recourse. Uh, I guess in traditional banking, there actually is. In cryptocurrency, in blockchain, there isn't. So bringing those uh, themes and the things that people are familiar with to blockchain is, is one of the, the themes here. Very cool. Very cool. You know, I just, uh, I just thought of an analogy for what you guys are doing. Uh, you got your, your team's basically like the lid on a salt shaker right now, right now you got a bunch of people running around with, with an open lid and they're trying to pour the right amount of salt into their soup. And, uh, you know, some of them are going to just dump the whole thing in and, and, and it's a tragedy. So you guys are, you guys are, you guys invented the lid for the salt shaker. Keep, That's right. keep, it, keep it safe over there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, might, I might use that. All right, go for it, man. That's, uh, we, uh, th I was with, I was talking to the Dexios guy and, uh, and uh, they came up with the antis on EOS because everyone's talking about this adoption. They're like, oh, we want to get our grant, you know, we want my mom to be able to get onto EOS. So antis on EOS is the push for. Um, antis on EOS, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what we're, you know, we're all about that as well. You know, yeah. we're trying to make account creation really easy as well. Um, so, you know, our, our goal is to have it when, uh, when, I'm, when my grandma says, oh, okay, you know, imagine a time when there are lots of dApps right? Which is coming soon, I think, on, on EOS. There are lots of dApps to interact with and grandma wants to come on and interact with a dApp. She doesn't have an account. She says, what should I do? Um, you know, our hope is that she comes to Chestnut, creates an account, has security there, right? So she can trust herself with her account. Um, yeah, and, and just making it easy for, for auntie, for grandma to, to come on uh, and, and start interacting with things. Now, what type of um, <clears throat> excuse me? What type of integrations are you guys looking at as far as wallets? Do you have any uh, wallet integrations at this point, or what? Um, what's that scene look like? Yeah, you know, we're we're pretty wallet agnostic. We don't actually ever get access to your private keys, for example. So you would use a wallet the the normal way that you use a wallet. Um, you could use Scatter. You could use um, you know, any of these uh, the wallets that exist or any of the ones that are coming. Um, we want to be wallet agnostic so that uh, people have a lot of flexibility there. Um, you know, right now it's also is a little bit challenging to use a wallet to even figure out how to import your keys, for example. Uh, so trying to, through a, a user experience, through an interface, uh, guide people through that is also part of what we're, we're going to be doing here. But, um, you know, in terms of integrations, uh, you know, I, I think one of our plans is to have an open API and have people be able to integra integrate with us. Um, you know, our, our sort of first version of our product 
um, is what we've been talking about here. We also have other versions, um, other potential ways of going about this um, that could be really interesting to the community. So. Yeah, so what, what's that, what does that look like? So right now you're at basically a, a phase where can people go, you, can people use the tool yet? Or is it, uh, have you launched it, a beta? You know, we're not really live. I, I, we're, we're on the jungle net, so you can see what we're doing, what our smart contracts cool. look like. Um, but we, uh, we're not actually at the point where we're uh, creating mainnet accounts. Um, we're we're going to get there pretty soon. Our plan, I think, is in the next uh, two months to have account creation and, and some basic uh, security parameters. But, um, you know, we're trying to do this in a very uh, iterative, iterative, but also very intentional way. You really only get one shot at this. Mm -hmm. And not only is it important for us to get this right for ourselves, but I think it's important for us to get this right for the community, for the ecosystem. If people are coming to EOS, which is our goal, is to bring people from outside EOS um, you know, great. If you already have an EOS account, you also can can wrap a Chestnut smart contract around your account. Um, but the big opportunity is bringing people that are not even in EOS to, or not even in blockchain at all, to blockchain. And if we get, if we, uh, you know, if the smart contracts aren't uh, properly done uh, and there are security issues, then we're going to miss this opportunity and maybe even set the whole industry back. So. Uh, you know, we want to be very intentional, very smart about this, bring on the re right resources, do a smart contract audit, those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whenever, yeah, whenever, especially since you're, you are like the layer that's securing people's accounts. If you know, if you go in and say, we're going to take care of you and then don't, that's going to be an issue. So yeah, you got to move, move, be methodical at this point for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's your, so what's your, that's kind of your shorter term roadmap. What's your midterm or maybe long-term road, roadmap? What type of iterations do you see possibly coming out of this? Yeah, so so our, the first version of our product is um, where you wrap a smart contract around an account and that um, that gives people full autonomy over their, their account, over their smart contract. Um, we also could have a version where uh, you share and, and you would have complete access to your private keys. We never see them. Um, you know, we can't really touch your account in any way. Um, you know, sort of a, a, the next level would be uh, giving us uh, access to uh, or giving us a, a shared permission, giving us an owner key, um, giving Chestnut, your Chestnut smart contract, really uh, a shared owner key that would enable you to have things like account recovery um, and managing of resources on your behalf. Um, and this might be something that uh, somebody like grandma actually would prefer, right? She wants uh, account recovery or auntie, I guess, you know, we're using that example. Um, you know, she, she, she wants, um, to have account recovery and make sure that, you know, if she loses her private keys, she's going to not be, uh, at, you know, out of luck there. Um, so that would be, those, those are sort of our two first, uh, incarnations. The next, uh, the next level or the next product, the next option would be, uh, some sort of custodian account where, uh, there's actually a Chestnut smart contract and you could, um, you could put tokens into and any kind of token, EOS tokens, uh, Telos tokens, any any kind of token, um, into that smart contract, set your uh, security parameters and privacy parameters uh, in your sort of instantiated uh, instance within that that uh, ledger, uh, which is the smart contract, um, and then interact with dApps as you normally would. One of the interesting things, you know, one of the reasons for doing this is that to, uh, to wrap a smart contract around an account right now is kind of expensive, uh, given RAM costs especially, um, and uh, you know, so you're actually paying to have these accounts with a, uh, with a custodian solution, we could essentially make those free, right? And, or much, much, much less expensive, uh, and it's a much more scalable thing. So, 
Um, you know, I think our, our expectation is that there's going to be these, and, and people already are obviously are talking about custody solutions um, out there. So this is sort of like a, um, a autonomous custody solution where you can set security parameters for yourself. Um, we think that there's a big future in that, and there probably likely are going to be a lot of different players uh, providing this kind of service. Um, and, you know, I think we were very supportive of competition. It's good to have competition. It creates um, options for consumers, and it's, it's something that we need in general in order for blockchain to be successful. Um, you see competition in the Internet. You should have it in blockchain, too. Um, you know, and ultimately, it's going to be uh, up to consumers which interfaces they like, which services they like. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's probably the future here. Yeah. And competition definitely pushes things forward at a, a kind of frantic pace and everyone can learn from each other's angles as well. So it's, it's a, yeah, that is a great thing. Um, can you tell a, tell like a use case of, uh, down the road, there's a lot of these different types of custodial accounts. Tell how a user might use those. Why basically? Yeah. Like why would why would they? Yeah, use? like what would yeah. be like the, tell the story of a use case in layman's terms. Like if someone was going to use this, how it would work for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so uh, so in the future with a custodian account, um, and again, all these custodian accounts may be structured slightly differently, but um, in general, the the user experience would be the same, probably. Uh, so a user would go to something like Chestnut. Um, they maybe already have an account, or they create an account at that point, um, and then they would. Uh, transfer tokens that are in their account, any kind of tokens um, into, uh, into like basically the chestnut bank, right? So just like with a traditional bank, you would essentially be having um, like a secured checking account uh, by, by uh, sending tokens into uh, a chestnut account, in, into a chestnut instantiation. Um, and then when, and, and it would be tied to your normal account. So when you go to adapt, um, which is probably going to be how a lot of people are interacting with different things. Um, you go to a DAP when that transact and you try to transact, you try to interact with the DAP. Um, the DAP is actually going to be interacting with uh, the chestnut smart contract rather than with your raw native account. Um, and uh, we're going to be, uh, we or, or others will be uh, holding these tokens on your behalf. Uh, we'll check against your security parameters, your privacy settings and, uh, will either send the tokens uh, that the DAP has requested or not based on whether it conforms to your uh, privacy settings. Now, one of the interesting things here is that because you have sort of a bank structure, right, where people are depositing tokens uh, to be secured for them, um, you, you know, people will handle it different, different organizations will handle this different ways, but um, you in theory could, for example, stake those tokens um, on their behalf and give them a return on those tokens that if they don't know how to do staking, uh, they otherwise wouldn't be doing. So you could give them the account for free. This is just an example of, of one of the things you could, mm -hmm. could do. You give them an account for free and actually give them a return on those tokens. Okay. So would you say like it, it's adding a security layer in the same way that a bank does? I mean, there's a difference between just walking around with cash that you're taking care of yourself and then taking a bulk of that and putting it in a bank. So is that kind of the theory is that we're going to put it somewhere where it's safer than me just holding it in my account and I'm going to interact with maybe a smaller amount like I would a checking account? That, yeah, that's, it's, it's essentially what you just <clears throat> described. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's kind of like a secured checking account. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, like right, right now you have a bank overseeing all those transactions, deciding whether they think it's fraud or whether there's an issue. They're also dictating the terms of what you're allowed to do. 
uh, here you are allowed to set those parameters for yourself. So you're, you're getting all that power back for yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's a good, um, that's a good point because all this saying bank so many times probably has a lot of red flags going off for people. They're Absolutely. like, I'm turning it off. I don't <laughs> like this project. <laughs> but, but the, but the cool thing is that, um, it's, it's like the positive, there is positive things about a bank, obviously that's the positives of bank, but you're kind of, it's like a bank that you have, you're pulling all the strings to, as opposed to basically giving all your decisions and power and everything to, um, to a bank, you know? Yeah. And, and again, this is just one way that we might go and one way that the industry might go and it'll be up to consumers to decide whether they want this kind of structure or some other structure. Um, you know, and, and in our first product, um, you essentially are your own bank, right? And you have complete autonomy if you want it. Um, it's a little bit more expensive to set up, but creating accounts, you know, costs EOS uh, for RAM. So, you know, I think, I think our goal and what the, what the ecosystem should try to do is offer people a choice. Uh, and a wide spectrum of choices. And even within the you know, banking model, there should be a lot of different structures uh, and a lot of different options for, for people. And then they can decide what they want, right? And, and hopefully a lot of these things come with more education um, and with good interfaces that, are, uh, that explain what's going on to people. Uh, and I think that's a challenge for the, again, the whole industry is to uh, make, uh, make it easier to understand what's going on and then give people choice. And I think that's our goal and that should be the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we did, we went pretty far down the theoretical future there. So to bring it back, uh, you know, Chestnut is who knows how far down that road you're going to go. Uh, everyone ends up pivoting at some point and um, it sounds like, uh, but you guys have a killer base product that you're, that you're working on right now. So that'll, absolutely. Yeah. It'll be exciting to see you um, see where it goes. Absolutely. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, so previously you were, you talked about, ETH, you were working on what almost sounded like a, well, you said that you called it a GoFundMe, but it kind of made me think of the worker proposal um, system that EOS is talking about. What, what are the similarities or big differences there? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think you could use it for worker proposal funding. Um, and, uh, you know, it essentially could be that, um, but it could be much bigger and broader than uh, just working on blockchain projects. You know, I, I think, again, our goal with that project was to bring blockchain to non-tech savvy or non-crypto yeah, yeah. people. Um, and, you know, I, part of, I, you know, we wrote a white paper. Part of what we put in there was uh, reaching people who otherwise don't have bank accounts, for example. So, uh, you know, people who uh, either aren't allowed to have bank accounts or there's no infrastructure uh, for them, how do they raise funds right now? They can't really even use a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter. So addressing that, uh, that contingent was, was part of our core thesis, part of our core mission. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I, think, I think in order for us to be successful as an ecosystem and as an industry, we're going to have to figure out solutions um, and, and create products that are really useful to people outside of crypto, right? And outside of uh, the people that are working on worker proposals and, and already are in the blockchain space. I think it's great. We need to retain all of, all of us, all of those people. Um, but, but um, you know, as an example, a project like an Everipedia, you know, they are bringing non-crypto people or reading Everipedia pages, right? I think we need more of that sort of thing more of the bridge that makes it really easy for people to come in. And that was what we were trying to do with Kismet Chain and, and also what we're trying to do with Chestnut. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, there's a, there's a lot of these little angles. We're chipping away at that uh, for sure. 
And uh, one, I just talked to, um, I think, Rudy from Mythical Games a couple days ago. And that's a really cool opportunity to, um, because they're launching like a, a legit video game connected to the EOS blockchain. And um, it's going to be, in, it's, it, that's so much reach as far as into the gamers and, and things like that. A lot of people will be using EOS who have never used it before at some point in 2019, whenever that launches. So that'll be, um, that'll be cool. Yeah. Sure. I, I think, you know, people hate on games a little bit in blockchain because, you know, there's, there's a lot of gambling. There's, uh, I guess there is a difference between gambling and games, but a lot of the sort of use cases right now are gambling or games or those sorts of things. But um, I think in a lot of ways that is a, an amazing bridge, right? If you can create a game that uses blockchain, people get that and mm -hmm. they're going to play it. And it, you know, it, it, anybody can play those things. Um, so I, I think we, you know, we've seen some examples of uh, successful games. I think we haven't seen the like blockbuster game yet. Uh, and I think, yeah, mythicals, you know, maybe in a position to be the first one to do that. And, I, and that could really anything. The, the, the exciting thing is there's so many potential catalysts out there. Um, that could just blow the top off this thing. Um, and all we need is really like one, right? Yeah. One or two examples in, and that could be in ETH or EOS or, you know, Tron or anybody. Um, all we need is like a couple real use cases of blockchain being used in a massive way. And it's going to, it's going to just blow the top off. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know that Tron's focused a lot on uh, video games as well. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what that, that kind of, straw that breaks the camel's back is going to be but uh but yeah there'll be something eventually yeah and i think it's good that you know people are working on lots of different things so we shouldn't just be working on games and uh you know there is a lure to just work on gambling apps because people are making money doing that um but you know I, I think again we should not all be working on gambling apps and, and so uh you know i think that would be a dystopian outcome here if, if blocking just <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it'll go back to the original uh thought of what bitcoin was for for sure just just dark web inter interactions <laughs> but that was actually a pretty big use case and, and yeah. it was used in a in a pretty massive way uh for that even though it was you know maybe not what everybody wanted to be used for and i think that that's probably <clears throat> what's going to happen in blockchain in general not necessarily using it for illegal activities, but, um, you know, using it for games, some people may not want it to just be for games, but if that's what consumers want right now, and if those are the best use cases right now, then great, you know, let's mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, um, mentioned a trip to Bali. What is your team has been traveling, working remotely or how's that? What was that all about? Yeah. So, uh, so, We've been traveling. Danielle and I, uh, who's a, a member of the team as well, um, are actually married. Um, and we've been traveling for about a year and a half. Uh, we found ourselves in Bali uh, for four or five months. And one of the reasons we stayed is there was an amazing, very active, small but very active cryptocurrency community. Um, and so, you know, we, we met uh, everybody is, that's part, sort of part of, uh, part of that uh, community. Um, the three, uh, three of them that are part of the chestnut team actually started something called, um, blockchain babes. Uh, and they, you know, they hosted weekly meetings and, um, were very active. Um, and, uh, so Annette and Patricia, who are also part of the team, um, actually have been living in Bali. Danielle and I were only there for five months and everybody by just sort of coincidence, happened to be coming to London uh, around the, the hackathon. And we were like, hey, let's 
you know, Daniel and I had done the Hong Kong one. We're like, let's all just get together and, and sort of have fun. Uh, you know, we don't even have to take it that seriously. You know, we can just sort of hack on something and meet everybody and it'll be, you know, be a good time. And, uh, you know, we got a little bit caught up in, in the actual activity when we, uh, when we got there and we're like, okay, we actually have a really good idea that fits uh, pretty well here. And, you know, I think we're all very competitive as well. And, um, you know, and, and, and frankly wanted this to be a real thing and recognize and we were getting feedback from a lot of people at the hackathon that like, yeah, this should be a thing that's built. Somebody should build this. Um, and so, you know, we, we went for it, but, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, we came, we, we started in Bali, uh, and then one in London and that was like a little saying that we, <laughs> we had at the London thing, uh, came in second in London, I guess, to be fair. Um, Good enough. yeah, yeah. Have you, have you been to Bali? I haven't been to Bali, but yeah. that's been on my, uh, that's kind of on my list of, of travels because I know they have a good um, kind of digital nomad scene in Bali and uh, like Chiang Mai and Singapore. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah there's so. a huge digital nomad movement. Um, you know, again, there is a very intense uh, cryptocurrency movement. They actually had a Bitcoin economy, one of the, one of the first places mm -hmm. to have a Bitcoin economy. Um, I, I forget the year, but maybe 2015, something like that. And a lot of the stores and restaurants were, uh, accepting Bitcoin, uh, and there were there were a number of people that were ex that were attempting to exclusively use Bitcoin uh, as wow. their only uh, mechanism of spend, and I, it, there were quite a few of them that were successful doing that um, for for a while. How cool! Yeah, Did you that may I mean there's a possibility of that picking back up I guess if with EOS with a with a not with not having transaction fees I mean that was probably a big hurdle for people the times and the fees. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that, and, and, and the price going up uh, also, I think, was, was a factor. So people started wanting to hoard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, a little bit of price stability. People might start spending stuff. But yeah, it, yeah when, it's just, when it's going up kind of hard for a little while, people are not, not wanting to be spending it. That's right. Yeah, yeah and I, I, think, I think the transaction time, so the fees, but also you know, the fact that it just took a while for the money to go, you know, that, again... Uh, just like the the interfaces we were talking about and, and sort of the user experience, you know, uh, uh, stores are used to a transaction just happening. They're not mm -hmm. used to having to wait uh, minutes or tens of minutes or an hour for a transaction to go through. Um, and so I think that experience for them is, is, you know, was suboptimal. Yeah. Yeah. Your credit card swipe is probably kind of the standard, which is, you know, 10 seconds possibly as it, as it processes, you right. know? So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, which, which is a good sign because EOS can right now can kind of keep up with, with that. So, um, so yeah. Very exciting. So yeah. What's the, what's the blockchain scene there? Like, I mean, how many, like how many people and is it all developers or is it like a, what, what type of community is it? It's, it's very mixed. Uh, mm -hmm. there are people working on all sorts of interesting projects. So I would say there's blockchain project founders there. There are devs. Uh, there are designers, there are blockchain experts. There's something called blockchain zoo there. That's a, uh, uh, I, mean, I want to say a blockchain consultancy and they have a weekly meetup where somebody presents and then uh, the community sort of asks questions and meets up, uh, gets dinner afterwards. Uh, so that, that sort of was like the epicenter in Ubud, which is just uh, the jungle area up North. Um, I think each of the cities have their own thing, but we spend most of our time in Ubud. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the interesting things is that there's a lot of people that vacation to Bali. And so there was a constant stream of people that would be on vacation and would Google, Hey, is there anything 
blockchain related in Bali. Oh, yeah. And they'd find this group uh, that met every Tuesday. And so they'd show up. So we constantly had new, you know, had sort of visitors visiting. Um, and they were a massive range of uh, personalities of devs and uh, founders of things and um, even some VCs. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was pretty, pretty interesting and, and a great, really a great way to get into blockchain given the small community and uh, the helpfulness that everybody uh, had. I think, you know, when you're in a place like LA or San Francisco or, or Santa Cruz, uh, even, you know, there's a lot of people, but it's sort of hard to find community, I think, in mm. some ways. You can go to a, to a meetup and there's, you know, uh, there's a few hundred people. Uh, it's different than going to a meetup where there's 20 people or 30 people. Yeah, you know, actually, I saw a, um, a, a coding boot camp out in Bali. Uh, that huh. was, uh, yeah. So anyway, that was part when I was doing, I did, I've done a lot of research of digital nomading. So I've, I've been getting ready to go on a little adventure at some point so oh, you'd love bali you'd, yeah. you'd definitely go to ubud they have a massive digital nomad scene it's basically you know there's like the yogis and spiritual people there mm -hmm. and then the digital nomads and some people cross both lines which you know we we sort of transcended both mm -hmm. uh, we're into both scenes but um they have huge co-working spaces a lot of uh, uh um presentations going on um it's really it's very cool killer yeah. you know where i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot down to um uh, Costa Rica, EOS, EOS Costa Rica, they have a thing called EOS Surf, but it's basically like a workspace by the beach for like EOS people. So, I've heard uh, of this, yeah. Yeah. So I would go, love to check that out. That sounds yeah, cool. I'm yeah. going to go check that out in February. I'm, I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. February, um, are you going to go to Envision? There's a big uh, music festival in Costa Rica at the same time. Oh, so, really? No. I'll, think I'll, about write, I'll write that down. It's always good to... All right, cool. Um, yeah, so usually in the beginning of the show, I ask what the, you're most excited about for EOS in general or what's most interesting to you. Um, we'll do it kind of as we start to wind down here. Um, okay. So, yeah, what, 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 what's your favorite thing about EOS right now? My favorite thing? Um, you know, I think, I think it's the opportunity to actually build uh, modern apps that feel like modern apps, right? And I think that's really hard to do on any other blockchain right now, and I have experience with that. Uh, and I think, you know, we're starting to see or we're starting to hear about dApps that are being built uh, that are, I think EOS has the, the biggest opportunity to actually uh, come up with and, and launch some of these dApps that people are going to use. Uh, and they're maybe not even going to know that they're using a blockchain, right? That, I think that's, that's sort of where we're going. And we're going there probably pretty quickly where you're going to have abstraction, maybe even a wallet abstraction where um, you're just using a dApp and you find out later that, oh, there was this whole blockchain thing, um, which was also part of it, but it feels fast. Um, you know, your privacy is, is maintained or you actually, you know, are storing things in a public ledger. So you get all of those benefits um, of blockchain, but, but it's just like you're, you know, messing around with Airbnb or Uber uh, or whatever. I think that EOS is really the only ones um, from what I've seen uh, that are in a position to do that. And I think, you know, as we were saying before, one or two apps like that are going to, are, are, are going to blow the entire lid off the entire blockchain ecosystem, not just EOS. So I think it's, it's uh, sort of on us, but it's an opportunity, but also um, sort of a responsibility for the EOS community to lead this uh, charge and be the tip of the spear uh, for the whole ecosystem. Yeah, it's, it's such, a, it's such a, a fun time. It feels like I have a secret that I try to tell people, but they don't, they don't, you know, they don't. They're not ready for it. <laughs> it's yeah. just going to have to start to happen. But um, I got my cousin um, an EOS account and 
put some EOS in it for, for Christmas. So that's my way to just, <laughs> just, just, just make it happen for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Yeah. And reserve and reserved a, a name for him. You know, that's I one did. of the cool things about EOS. Is yeah. Get Actually his name's perfect. It's John Stallings and he only spells it J O N. So it like, it's 12 letters. I was perfect. like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, was yep. meant to be. Yep. <laughs> so I, uh, I, a, a lot of people, you know, I, I just, when I code, I just like hone in and I just crush code and people, uh, I jokingly say I'm like a machine. So my, uh, my EOS name is I'm the machine. Nice. I was pretty fired up when I got, when I realized that that was 12 letters and uh, uh-huh. 12 characters. So. Yeah. It's fun. I got, uh, I got uh, Mr. Happy money for my, oh, for yeah, my 12 that, letter. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, cool. Well, we, uh, covered, uh, a lot about chestnut. I mean, kind of the hackathon aspect, where you're at now, possible deep into the future, some some uh, thought experiments. Um, was there anything that we glossed over that you'd like to talk about or get a little deeper into with chestnut? Anything we missed? Um, you know, one thing I would say is that we are uh, we are starting to take uh, early access signups. So if you go to, um, and I, I don't know if we're at the point where we mentioned links, but yeah, chestnutaccounts.com, uh, chestnutaccounts.com. Um, you can sign up to be part of the early access. Um, and uh, early access probably will be first uh, on some sort of testnet. Um, so you can mess around with it, get a sense for what's going on. Um, you know, we also have a pretty active community on Telegram, which is chestnut EOS. Uh, so feel free to come there, engage with us. Um, you know, I, I think also if, if there are any, uh, if there's anybody really, uh, across any skill set that's interested in, in joining us on this mission. Uh, we'd love to, to chat with you and, and have you involved in, in whatever way makes sense. Um, you know, we we're also, um, we're, we're exploring uh, doing open source and, um, and work, uh, worker proposals, uh, those sorts of things and want to collaborate with the community. You know, our team's uh, sort of unique offering in general is this focus on user experience. Our team is, has a lot of experience uh, with user experience and, and interfaces and making things really easy and, and flow very well, uh, which we think is really important to, again, to, to um, having blockchain be successful. So, um, you know, we're, we're open to talking to folks about that. Um, you know, we really want other, again, you know, it's not even necessarily competition at this point. It's, it's really, you know, we're all in this together and we need to rise the ocean so all the ships can rise. So, um, you know, we'd love to, to help people or talk to people about, uh, improving their interfaces, their user experiences, um, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. Killer. Well, for people listening, I will share the um, the links in the show notes so that you can find Chestnut and you can find the early access. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, listen to the podcast also. Some shows are only in podcast version, so it's not only about YouTube, my EOS friends. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, EOS San Francisco Block Producer, which I'm a co-founder at, and we have a, uh, we're building right now a pretty rad DAP incubator in the heart of San Francisco uh, with a full-on workspace and everything. So um, we've got some cool teams. We're putting together our first set of uh, teams that are going to come through our incubator. We're trying to be basically like a Y Combinator for EOS. So um, I'm pumped on that. Uh, I want to pick your brain about the after the show <laughs> about the process of uh, of what they did for the um, the incubator at the EOS hackathon. So that'd be rad. Absolutely, so, I, I would love to do that. I, I also will will tell you, I uh, uh, early in my career, I was actually in venture capital, private equity, uh, that space. So um, you know, I have some insights, and I love to help people 
you yeah. know, navigate those waters as well. So oh, killer. Okay. Well, we're, we need, uh, you know, we, we love advice. We love collaboration. So we're, we'll, we'll hook up for sure. Um, thank cool. you. Yeah. Um, and Hey, thanks for coming on the show. You guys have a really interesting, cool project. I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, you know, a quarter from now or whenever uh, something new happens, let me know and we'll bring you back on the show. My EOS podcast friends, much love to you. And, uh, uh, until next time. Cheers. See everyone. Thanks, Brandon. The money is not the prime asset in life. Time is, and uh, your time is. Just-